I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe back with you once again. Rob, how you doing, man? Doing well, Andrew. Working on my uh, my all Big Ten teams this morning on a rainy morning in Iowa City. I will uh, I'll have that up here probably within the next hour or so. And then, as we talked about before we started recording, the uh, the real all Big Ten teams and and individual awards will be announced today at three o'clock. Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be fun to kind of see uh, Luca Garza be named the Big Ten Player of the Year. At least that's what I, I assume is going to happen. I think most people assume that's going to happen. Interested to see if any of uh, Iowa's other players get any love in in all conference teams. And um, well, at one point I thought that. Uh, Fran McCaffrey, and, and he certainly should be in the conversation somewhere for, for Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, do not expect him to get that award. I, I mean, you know, Greg Gard, what he did with Wisconsin this year. Uh, there's just there are other there are other good candidates this year. Not not to put anything down about how Fran coached this team because I think it was his best coaching job at Iowa. Uh, but hard to overlook kind of what you know those three teams atop the league did. Yeah, and I think that was the – I mean, Coach of the Year was probably the one that came down to this weekend. Yeah. You know, it was – I think you could have gone in, uh, you know, a couple of different directions there. Um, I think Izzo's probably out just because Michigan was preseason number one. Granted, they lost Joshua Langford, but uh, they were expected to be up there, as was Maryland. Um, So you're probably looking at, you know – I would put guard number one. That was a big win they had this weekend on the road at Indiana. And then I think you could put probably put Brad Underwood in there too. And then Fran, I mean, there's, those would probably be the guys. And then after that would probably be Chambers and Peichel. But all of those teams really, I think, probably exceeded their expectations. And that's usually what the Big Ten or any Coach of the Year award comes down to is exceeding your expectations. Yeah, for sure. And especially you know, with, with where Wisconsin was halfway through the tournament ske- or the, the conference schedule, like six and six at one point, and, and to go on the run that they went on and, and grab a share of that that conference championship while losing one of their better players in, in Kobe King. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't say a lot 
lot of good things about Wisconsin publicly, <laughs> but what Greg Gard did this season, I think, is probably deserving of Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. We will see all of that later, and as Rob said, uh, you can find his ballot and everything online, HawkeyeNation.com. Of course, we'll have coverage of, of all of this as we move forward. But Rob, last night, a, a tough one for Iowa at Illinois. A 78-76 loss came down to the final seconds. Iowa had, a, I think, a 10-point lead in the first half. It was tied at halftime. Illinois ballooned to like a 16-point lead in the second half, and Iowa able to fight all the way back. Had a couple of chances there at the end to, to get one down and send it into overtime. Just not able to do it, and a, a tough, tough night to end a, a pretty bad week for Hawkeye basketball. Yeah, I, I was I was encouraged with how Iowa bounced back yesterday and, and really looked good at the beginning of that game. As you said, it built a 10-point lead after that frustrating loss at home to Purdue where, you know, you fall, by, fall down by 21 at home uh, in the first half against Purdue, a team that's probably on the outside looking in. I don't know. Maybe they're in there. It's going to be interesting, and we can get into that more about teams like Purdue and Indiana who were under 500 in the Big Ten regular season and whether or not they – I think Archie Miller certainly <laughs> believes his <laughs> team should be in. You but, um, yeah, being able to bounce back yesterday after a rough home game on Tuesday on senior night and um, – play well and then get down as you said by 16 but fighting back uh and having you know tying that game up late and having a chance to win um although i don't know if they tied it up they may have gotten it within two but you know they got a pretty good look on the final shot luca had a decent look but kofi coburn was right in his face similar previous attempt before that Connor mccaffrey got in the lane and had a decent look to tie it up so put themselves in position to to win that game and get the double buy but just did not have enough io too much io desumu at the end of that game he is uh he's clutch man he's one of the more clutch players in this league and uh you know, he's a guy that uh, you know is going to get the ball, you know is going to try to make plays, and he still makes plays, and that's uh, credit to him. And uh, Illinois got the win at home and now gets the double bye, and if Iowa can take care of business on Thursday against the winner of Northwestern in Minnesota, it will be round three of Iowa-Illinois with uh, plenty, <laughs> plenty on the line and plenty of hate on each side of that rivalry. Yeah, it was kind of fun to, to hear the guys talk after the game where, you know, everybody kind of stopped short of saying that, that they hate each other or even, you know, bad blood, but th- there's there's some genuine dislike there, and uh, and I think that's good for a rivalry, especially a border rivalry with a couple of teams who are, uh, you know, seem to be on the upswing, so, so that part of it is certainly going to be fun, and, and again, assuming Iowa can get through Thursday's game. Um, and, and last night, the it, I guess it didn't get real chippy other than the, the one sequence, the four technical fouls, which um, was an interesting sequence to say the least. I think C.J. Frederick certainly fouled uh, and, and deserved to get the offensive foul there. But depending on what was said, and, and you never know what was said, I'm not a good lip reader or anything like that, it, it, didn't, it didn't seem like it quite got to the point of needing to issue technicals to, to everybody involved there. Uh, certainly with, with Connor McCaffrey you know, essentially dodging an elbow – 
uh, but but not throwing one back. That that was an interesting sequence. I don't think it it ended up hurting Iowa, you know, too badly or anything like that. I remember coming out of that thinking, you know, now CJ has three fouls, and uh, you know how how bad could this be? I don't think it ever ended up biting Iowa, but uh, certainly showed there there is some bad blood be- between these teams, and uh, it could get chippy in in Indianapolis on Friday afternoon if I was lucky enough to get through uh, their Thursday game. Yeah, and Fran's halftime interview yesterday, he obviously yeah. didn't think that uh, that CJ deserved. It's hard to know, like you said, Andrew, what was said. Uh, there was definitely, and Trent Frazier's a veteran. He looked like he dropped some type of verbal bomb on CJ after that play, and CJ reacted to it, and you can't do that. You got to walk away, and you put yourself in that position, and you leave it open to interpretation from the officials. Same with Connor and uh, Demonte Williams. They obviously got into a, you know, a face to face, and uh, I didn't have a problem with the referees. Did they're trying to, you know, maintain control of that game, and you put the technical double technicals both ways, uh, two of them each. You kind of get a little bit more order in there, and let the guys know that hey we're not taking any of this stuff behave and i thought like you said the rest of the game uh although physical it didn't you know it didn't deteriorate into anything that was physical in terms of you know punches thrown things like that so uh, i thought the officials did a pretty good job yesterday uh if if you want to talk about how you know, Fran voiced his displeasure on how the Illinois defenders were not letting the Iowa players cut and it, you know, a a lack of the freedom of movement, which we hear all the time that teams, that officials are going to call it in a way that lets players be free to move. I haven't seen freedom of movement most of the season in the Big Ten. So I didn't think, yesterday was certainly a little bit more physical than a lot of games, but I mean, it was the same thing in East Lansing. Uh, And most of the games Iowa's played this year in the Big Ten have been physical. It's just the way it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see how things are called at the Big Ten tournament and then how things are called differently once these teams get to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, you could get a different you can get a different feel and a different look uh, moving forward, but I think the regular season in the Big Ten, the officials were pretty consistent. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I, I, I kind of expect the same thing in Indianapolis this week. I don't expect the same thing in the NCAA tournament, and so as you said, that'll be interesting to see how Iowa uh, handles that. I think Iowa will be will, will benefit from uh, officials calling the game a little closer. You, you saw CJ in the post game last night say that that's the the closest he's ever been guarded. He's he's never had that much trouble getting open, and you certainly saw that he. He didn't take many shots. Uh, he did not have a great game. He hit that early three uh, and, and scored a, f- a few more times, but uh, certainly was not uh, himself for, for the majority of the game. I guess that was all he scored, just that, that one three-pointer now that I look at the box score. Um, so, you know, he said that was a, a big part of that was the the way that Illinois guarded him and the, the lack of calls from the officials. But I, I agree with you. This is how the Big Ten is played. It's how it has been all year. Um, you know, we can complain about it until we're blue in the face, but it's not going to change it. Uh, I do expect the same thing in Indianapolis. I uh, don't expect it. Uh, at the NCAA tournament. Talk about Weiss, uh, CJ couldn't really get open last night. And then Joe Wieskamp just the issues continue for Joe Wieskamp offensively. He's uh, I don't know the shot just doesn't look great. It looked good in that that first three he hit and that was big and he, he hit another bucket late um, that that was pretty big. But he just uh, you, you really and again 
I like Joe Wieskamp so much. He seems like such a nice guy. He's you know never had a bad word for anybody, and so I I really hesitate to even criticize him. Uh, and so I, I always find myself kind of stopping short when I'm talking about him. But th- there is no question, Rob, that. Joe Wieskamp is going to need to figure this out and and be more of a factor offensively if Iowa is going to make a run in either the Big Ten or the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no doubt, Andrew. And that was not that was that was really the game last night. I mean, you, you look at Wieskamp and Frederick were combined three for thirteen for ten points, and they combined for sixty five minutes of play. That just is not going to be enough for Iowa to win in the postseason. Those guys need to figure it out. You know, they talk about playing through the contact, playing through the physicality. Uh, they've not been able to do that on a consistent ba- basis. Frederick hasn't been able to do that since he got back from his ankle sprain, um, and those guys are going to have to figure it out. I think the coaches can probably help. Uh, running more screen, running more motion, uh, maybe switching up the offense a little bit to get those guys freed up. Um, it was good to see Joe Toussaint. He had a good game last night, I thought, uh, for the most part. Shot the ball pretty well. Connor McCaffrey hit some big shots late in that game. But you really need Frederick and Wieskamp. And it looks like the blueprint, Andrew, right now is, hey, Luca Gars is going to get his. We're not going to stop this kid. He's going to get his 20 and you know, close to 10 every night. So we need to focus on stopping Frederick and Wieskamp and keeping them from getting hot, keeping them from getting. I think the first time around against Illinois, each of those guys scored 18. I could be off on that, but I'm pretty sure that those guys were both well into double figures. And then yesterday you saw they combined for 10 points. So Purdue did the same thing. And Matt Painter said the same thing last week. He's like, hey, Garza is going to get his. We need to focus on taking Wieskamp and Frederick away. So now defenses have pretty much shown their their colors of what they're going to do to stop Iowa. And now Iowa's got to counter that. And I don't know what that takes and what that will be. Uh, but the coaches have what? three days to figure that out before it plays the winner of uh, Minnesota and Northwestern on Thursday. You know, you're exactly right because you know, Garza is going to get his, and he did get his. You know, not to, to overlook that, 28 points and 8 rebounds last night. He, he was great again. Uh, and, and as we said at the start of this pod, we expect him to be the Big Ten Player of the Year uh, later this afternoon. Joe Toussaint, as you mentioned, had a, had a good game. And Bakari Evelyn looked good again with 8 points in, in 21 minutes. But those guys are, are splitting time. They're each getting about 20 minutes a game. And even when they are going to play well, they're not going to most likely put up the numbers that you expect from a Wieskamp and a Frederick, or at least not at the top end. Uh, Connor McCaffrey does what he does, and he did it well again last night. A couple of big threes in that in that run to get back into the game. Um, but another concern for me, Andrew, not to interrupt, is the offensive rebounds. Um, yes, you know, gave up twenty one against Purdue, and then they gave up twelve yesterday. They got to be better. They've got to. If that's, I know it's kind of a catch-22. They're trying to get out in transition mm-hmm. and get guys some easy baskets, and they're running out early. you got to hit the glass first. You, you can't get in transition if you don't get the defensive rebounds. They're just not doing enough of that. That's something they've got to sure up this week before they get down to Indianapolis. And you're giving the other team so many, many, uh, so many extra possessions, 
And, and as you said, when you're running back in transition and the other team gets the ball, a lot of those are, are easy buckets uh, for the other team. Um, but yeah, again, you just need Frederick and Wieskamp to step up. They're, they're really the other the other two scoring options outside of Luca Garza, night in and night out. And uh, you just just need more from those guys. Uh, that's that's kind of the bottom line. Uh, Pemzel had a, had a bit of a rough game, but again, you don't expect a ton from him. So Iowa, with that loss to fifth place in the Big Ten, they, they will play Thursday afternoon against the winner of Northwestern or Minnesota. And you, you like you, you like your odds in that one. You know both teams that I will beat on the road this year. Uh, that's a game that Indiana, in Indianapolis with a couple of days of rest and and that winner coming off of a, a game on on Wednesday. You like the the chances for Iowa to go in and, and at least win one here in, in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and you're looking at a night game on Wednesday night for Northwestern and Minnesota and then having to come back and play the next afternoon, which is a it's a quick turnaround for whichever team uh, survives that, that game. I know you're going to have people say, ah, Minnesota beating a team three times in one year and that narrative, but Iowa's a better team than Minnesota. Yeah. If it plays up to its capability, I would say equally the same thing against Northwestern. Iowa's the better team there as well. Um but um, I'm just I'm looking forward to this tournament just because, as we've talked about on previous pods, nobody's home now. This yeah. is everybody's on the neutral court, and home team you know home teams reign supreme throughout most of this year in the conference. Now we're going to get on a neutral court and see what the best team is. But I kind of like Iowa's draw. I know people are going. No, don't say that. You're going to jinx us. But <laughs> I, I mean, they avoid Michigan State and Maryland. Yeah. They would avoid Michigan State and Maryland to the champion game if they got that far and that's not a disrespect to Illinois or Wisconsin but I would much prefer to be on the Wisconsin Illinois side of that bracket as the five seed than the Michigan State Maryland side yeah there's no question I agree with you completely and, and I think Iowa can beat Illinois uh, they've, they've shown that a couple of times they were close again last night and then uh, yeah the, the Wisconsin Wisconsin's a different team or, or at least playing like a different team right now than they were six weeks ago or so when when they came into Iowa City but uh, I, I, I agree completely Completely. I would much rather face Wisconsin on Saturday afternoon than either Michigan State or Maryland. And <laughs> Purdue's also on the other side of the. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> that doesn't because as as you said, you know, now that nobody's at home, I think other than maybe those those bottom four teams, I wouldn't be shocked by anybody making a run in this tournament. No, and Indiana's on that bottom four, and that's if there is a home court advantage, it's for them or Purdue, and they're both on the bottom side of that bracket. So Iowa, again, avoids playing one of the Indiana teams at home. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a favorable draw. Winning four games in four days is going to be really difficult with how thin Iowa is. Um, it's going to take everybody playing well, and that's what it took this year, Andrew, when Iowa won. It was contributions from everybody, almost max contributions from everybody, and that's what they're going to need when they get to Indianapolis. And uh, Ryan Creener's got to figure it out. He he mm-hmm. hasn't been real good this last couple weeks here. I mean, he he had a good stretch there, but he was. His foul trouble early hurt them yesterday, I thought. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, looking ahead then to the NCAA tournament, I, I checked some bracketology sites this morning, and it looks like Iowa, you know, probably a six or seven seed as we sit here today, if, if it was Selection Sunday. Now, obviously, you have at least one game, and I think with a loss Thursday, uh, you, you may even fall to, to like the eight, nine line, like, like an eight seed. Um, I, I think if you, you win Thursday, you probably stay. 
a six, probably maybe more likely a seven there. Uh, even with maybe even with two wins, you're you're a six. Do you think they get up to a five if they they get to Sunday and the championship game, but but maybe fall to a, a Michigan State in that game? I, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm in anywhere between a five and an eight right now, with with a five being you know best case scenario and an eight being worst. I'm right. I'm right with you. Yeah. I think those. That's the seed range right now for Iowa. Uh, five would probably be getting to the championship game, uh, which would most likely entail beating um, Illinois and then Wisconsin. Uh, That would get you to the championship game probably against a Michigan State or a Maryland. Uh, Win the whole thing, possibly a four. Um, But that's, again, we talked about winning four games in four days is going to be pretty difficult. Um, But, yeah, and it's interesting because Chad Leistico of the, the register he and I were tweeting back and forth a little bit this morning. He posted USA Today's bracketology from this morning. And it was interesting. It had Iowa as a six seed in Greensboro with Duke being the three seed. Ooh. And I was like, eh, that's, a, that's less than an hour from uh, Duke's campus. But it had that same bracket had Illinois as a seven seed in St. Louis with Creighton being the two seed. And I said to Chad, man, I would, I'd switch places with Illinois in a heartbeat. Give me the seven seed against Creighton as a two seed in St. Louis over being a three seed against Duke or being, excuse me, a six seed against Duke as the three seed in Greensboro any day of the week. You know, that's, that's interesting because I think uh, so often we, we look at the seeding and we look at the bracketology and just kind of assume the higher seed, the better. And, and especially with with Iowa's history these last several NCAA tournaments, you, you kind of want to stay out of that 7-10 game and then stay out of that 7-2 game uh, over the weekend. But I agree with you completely. Man, if, if, it's, if, if those are my two choices, I'm taking that 7 and Creighton closer to home any day, certainly. And this will be an interesting tournament because, yeah, some teams like Duke will be seeded a little lower. And some of the, the top seeds... Um, you know, maybe it's my my high major power five bias, but I'm I'm less worried by teams like even good teams, even a team that's beaten Iowa this season, like San Diego State or a a Dayton teams like that. Um, that than I am against you know these powerhouse programs that have proven with coaches that have proven they can do it in March in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I would certainly rather play Creighton than Duke. I, I'm, I'm with you all the way there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this all plays out uh, with other conference tournaments as well, because maybe it's not so cut and dry that you want a six seed over a seven. No, and this bracket has, and again, these are, I, I, I caution people not to, you know, buy into these fully. These are just kind of outlines and things certainly can change. And who knows where the, what the committee is thinking. This is just guys trying to, and, and girls trying to figure out where these teams might place. But you're looking at, you mentioned Dayton. This bracket has Dayton as a number one seed in the East region with Winthrop being their first round game. And then the eight, nine game is Houston and Arizona state. Would Mm. you rather, I mean, I would rather be an eight, nine and play Dayton in the second round in Cleveland than I would to play Duke. And plus you'd get, we'd get Obi Toppin and and Luca Garza in round two, which would be fine. But for Iowa to drop to that eight, nine line, I think it's got to lose on Thursday, which is certainly possible, but you you don't want to go into the NCAA tournament off of, you know, three, a three-game losing streak and having lost four or five. So, 
Let's hope Iowa at least wins on Thursday and then let the chips fall where they may after that. that that's the key, I think, is is just try to get some sort of momentum here this week in Indianapolis. You know, win a game Thursday, play really well Friday afternoon, and, and win or lose there, you feel okay. But uh, even winning Friday and then playing well on, on Saturday, I think you just need to get some of that momentum. And I, I don't want to hear people come at us with a, a fade, you know, February fade, Fran fade, March, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I, I think of a fade as losing inexplicable games. And Iowa, while that game at home against Purdue was certainly a bad game and, and laid an egg, and um, but the, the other two losses don't fit that description at all. You lose at Michigan State and at Illinois, both ranked teams. Uh, we know how hard it is to win in the, on the road in the Big Ten. Those aren't inexplicable games. Those are, are games that most people had chalked up as losses anyway. So while Iowa has lost three of four, uh, I certainly don't think this has been a fade. Now you go lose Thursday do a, a worse team in either Northwestern or Minnesota, you know, the evidence begins to build up on the other side of that case. But I think you're right. The The big thing is get some momentum going into Selection Sunday, uh, hope for a good draw, and then, you know, go do what you have to do. Because you, I, I really think we talked about this a little bit last week and expectations change throughout the season. I really think that, that right now this team needs to do something in March, uh, you know, whether that's this week in Indianapolis and then certainly the, the following week in the NCAA tournament or else this is all going to feel pretty deflating, Rob. This, this is going to feel like we, we peaked late February and then it all kind of fell apart. Uh, I just... This team needs to figure something to, out. I'm, I'm interested to hear your fan perspective, Andrew. That is it. Is it Sweet Sixteen or bust here for for the NC? I think you want to have a good showing in Indianapolis, but you know, as you said, you win a game Thursday, lose Friday. I think you, everybody kind of turns their attention to the NCAA tournament and what happens there. Um, does it have to be a Sweet Sixteen? Here's. I, I don't think the line between disappointment and success is necessarily a sweet 16. I will say, I think short of a sweet 16, you're not going to feel satisfied. Um, and, and I really think at this point with this program, that goes for every season. And I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this has been a fun season and it's been unexpected. And with all the injuries and all the adversity uh, and everything that Iowa has had to go through, uh, they've certainly had a great season already. You know, that period, the you know, end of sentence right there, no matter what happens in these next couple of weeks, it's been a great season of Iowa basketball. I think it's been Fran McCaffrey's best season as a coach. I think we saw Luca Garza you know, become a player that maybe nobody ever expected him to become. And the, the table is set. Uh, uh, depending on what happens with with Luca, and you know, hoping that Bohannon and, and some other guys get fully healthy, the table is set for another great season next year. I will say, sh- falling short of a Sweet Sixteen will feel not disappointing, but it will definitely not be satisfying. You know, I, and, and I really think getting there, even losing Thursday of this week, and then getting to a Sweet Sixteen is going to feel satisfying. It's going to feel like a a complete and utter success of a season. Um, it just really feels like that this program and and certainly Fran McCaffrey needs to kind of take that next step and, and get to that next level, not to keep his job or not to keep the fans on board, but just to have have everybody kind of feel real good. You know, I, I look at it. 
it's more than a bowl game, I guess, but kind of like the the Holiday Bowl this year, where you lose mm-hmm. that game, and it was it was still a good season and nine wins, and you know we can all feel pretty good about it, but it doesn't feel great. And you you go and you beat the crap out of USC, and you feel great about it. And now all of a sudden, this season becomes a ten win season. You feel you know, it, it just it adds a whole another level of um, kind of pride and, and satisfaction to a season. Obviously, a Sweet Sixteen is more important than a, a random bowl game, but uh, I do think it kind of has that feel to it where I don't want to call it a disappointment if they fall short of that because I don't think it could be a disappointment no matter what happens at this point it, it certainly won't be a, a resounding success if they don't get there yeah I wonder how a say say Iowa wins Thursday and Friday in Indy and makes it to Saturday for the first time since 2006 the semifinals maybe loses to Wisconsin uh, which would be a, a you know that's always a kick in the nuts when you lose to Wisconsin <laughs> yes, in is. anything, but um, you know and then goes and wins one game in the NCAA tournament. How that's viewed? That's why I ask. I wonder how big making that Sweet Sixteen for the first time in whatever twenty something years would be, um, and if anything less than that would leave you. You know, unsatisfied is a good word that you use. So, be interesting to see how this plays out and what the perceptions of the fan base are. And then, obviously, you know, going into next year, who comes back, and uh, you know, the the potential for this team moving forward. And I still think this is a team that can make a run to the Sweet Sixteen. But as we talked about. The, the possibilities in the NCAA tournament of different matchups on different seed lines is so important to what, you know, could potentially happen. Then, then there, you know, there are chances of upsets, too, that could happen in the first round. You, I mean, every year we see the NCAA tournament, we see these lower seeds, like double-digit seeds making it. And oftentimes it's after they upset a team, mm-hmm. the team that they face in that second round is a a lower seed because they upset somebody so so many possibilities but i'm i'm with you this is really you know kind of like we'll get into iowa wrestling you know it almost felt like that big 10 championship for iowa wrestling was like yeah that's nice but what's going to happen in the ncaa you know the ncaa championships i must get that same feeling with iowa basketball what is it going to do at the end of this month that's exactly right uh another thing that will probably leave me feeling unsatisfied will be whenever the national player of the year award is given out because while, <laughs> while i certainly expect luca garza to win big 10 player of the year i do not expect him to win national player of the year as much as I think he deserves it and as much as I think the the numbers uh, bear out that opinion that that he should Keith Murphy over here in central Iowa on channel 13 did a great commentary last night on their sound off show I I highly recommend people go check that out on Twitter uh, basically making the case for Luca Garza as national player of the year it's just I, I have a hard time seeing national writers look at Iowa's resume as a team fifth place in the big 10 you know regardless of what Garza did it's 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 easy to look at a guy like Obi Toppin at Dayton and say, look at what their team did, look at their record, look at what seed they're going to get in the NCAA tournament, look at how flashy he is. He did a dunk between the legs this weekend uh, and look at his NBA potential and and give him their vote. And so uh, I, I expect to be disappointed once again, uh, much like the Lou Groza Award, I expect to be disappointed <laughs> as an Iowa fan with a national award uh, coming up here in, in the next few weeks. I'm interested to see. I still think Luca's got a chance, and I know that's not what you're saying that he doesn't. Have, you said he has a chance. Um, 
I'm interested to see how the voting breaks down because I don't think there's a clear-cut guy this year. And the voting, as we know, can be broken up, you know, and, and by region. So in the West, you know, Peyton Pritchard had a great year for Oregon. He's probably going to garner some votes out that way, uh, as well as uh, Malachi Flynn for San Diego State. So you got a couple guys out there. Then you look at the Big 12, and you got the two guys from Kansas who could split votes, and Devon Dotson and Azabuke. You've got, you know, I think Garza's clear in the Big 10 as the Big 10 player of the year, but then you've got Marcus Howard and Miles Powell from the Big East. Uh, you talked about Obi Toppin, um, you know, so I, it's going to be interesting to see the voting breakdown. I think it's going to be really close, Andrew. I really do. I think it's going to be, um, you know, within a, you know, a, a, a small margin, it's going to be one of those close votes. And I'm, I'm, I tend to kind of side with you just because Iowa didn't finish the regular season strong. Yeah. And even though he played well, it wasn't enough to get his team to win. And Dayton is just rolling right now. Yeah, I think these last this this last week uh, certainly hurt the case, but uh, could be helped with a big run in Indianapolis. Obviously, a lot of eyes will be on Iowa and Luka Garza the further they go in that tournament. Uh, a lot of a lot of men's basketball talk, rightfully so. And, and when you and I reconvene here, Rob, a week from now, uh, we will know how Iowa did in the Big Ten tournament. We will know where they're headed for the NCAA tournament, their seed, and, and all of that. So uh, this is a fun time of the year, and especially when your team is, is kind of right in the thick of it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Moving on to uh, women's basketball, a, a rough weekend for the Iowa women. They lost their first Big Ten tournament game Friday night in 87-66 to loss to Ohio State. That, Rob, I really did not see coming. I, I expected the women to get through that game uh, fairly easily. I, I guess maybe that's my, you know, arm's length view of, of paying attention to this team all season, but uh, I was surprised by, by, by that outcome. I, I honestly expected Iowa to, to you know show up well on, on Saturday and maybe even make it into that championship game Sunday, but uh, lost their first Big Ten tournament game. Um, did, did that shock you, I guess, as much as it shocked me? Not so much that Iowa lost. They had a, a pretty well-contested game with Ohio State in the loan meeting this year that was in Iowa City. Um, so I figured it would be competitive. I just didn't see Iowa coming out and laying an egg like that. Yeah. And, you know, the game plan was obviously to play a zone defense and make Ohio State beat uh, – because Ohio State's strength is on the interior. Uh, but Ohio State came out hot from three and just knocked down a bunch of deep balls early in that game and Iowa could not recover and to Ohio State's credit it went on and played in the championship game against Maryland so I I don't think it was a complete and total uh, upset Uh, you know they they didn't get beat by a bad team it's just I think the performance and how they kind of just came out 
after winning that thing last year and just did not look good, did not just look to step so slow, reminded me a little bit of the Iowa men's team at Purdue mm-hmm. where just the other team was making threes and Iowa just could not. And then you had Kathleen Doyle getting dinged up most of her. I, don't, I didn't hear an update on that, but I know she was grabbing her lower back yeah. for much of that game and she wasn't at 100%. And she's kind of the – she is the Luca Garza of women's basketball, of the women's basketball team. So when she's hurting, obviously that's a – that's a tough thing to overcome, but I'm not sure her at 100% would have been enough the way Ohio State shot the ball in that game. You know, I always wonder how how much in these tournaments, you know, seeing a team uh, be upset just before you play. Uh, you know, Northwestern was beaten by Michigan just before yeah. that Iowa-Ohio State game. And so, you know, for the Iowa players, you're thinking, all right, hey, we get through this game and we don't even have to play Northwestern tomorrow. You know, we, we get Michigan and uh, and then, then it doesn't happen. Uh, but hopefully for, for Doyle and, and the Iowa women, they, they have a nice break now before selection I think it's selection Monday uh, for for the women's teams and so um, I I looked at the ESPN bracketology for the women's side this morning and they still had Iowa as a four seed and that would mean Iowa would be hosting the first couple of games in Iowa City that would obviously be big Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if any of the other um, tournaments this week, the conference tournaments push Iowa off that seed. If anybody can jump up, um, because I, I know that was kind of the fear after that game uh, last week when the NCAA put out their their top four seeds. Iowa was in that, but as a four seed, and then losing in that first round game to Ohio State may have pushed them off that seed. Again, as far as ESPN bracketology is concerned, Iowa still a four and would be huge to uh, to be able to host some games in Iowa City. Yeah, without question, and they, I think they were the number one. Uh, four seed in the the um, projections that you referred to from last week. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they drop four spots, basically to the five line. Uh, but they do take into consideration. Um, for the women's tournament, be it fair or not, what type of attendance they're going to get in those first couple rounds in Iowa. Just last year's, uh, you know the opening two rounds in Iowa city was really well attended. I mean, they broke records there and things like that. So I'm sure that will be taken into consideration. Um, and, uh, Hopefully Iowa can hang on and get that home court because it's uh, well it goes without saying it's huge in the the women's basketball tournament and then also what type of matchups they get in those first couple rounds. Final big topic here we'll we'll cover this Monday morning Iowa wrestling Big Ten champions again first time since 2010 uh, to win that team championship outright they were led by three winners uh, Spencer Lee who is the uh, the Big Ten wrestler of the year at 125 pounds he won the Big Ten uh, Pat Lugo had a nice win at 141 and then Alex Marinelli with a great match at 165 to pick up a Big Ten championship yesterday uh, Tom Brands Big Ten coach of the year and, and again. While all of this is great and all of it feels cool and it's it's fun to, to see him get a trophy and see these three guys win conference championships and and get these you know these conference awards as you alluded to earlier in this this podcast Rob it all just feels like a preamble to the NCAA tournament the NCAA championships which begin next Thursday up at US Bank Stadium in Minneapolis and it, it really feels like this season all comes down to next weekend and I will winning a national championship uh, for the first time 
since what we, we, since they won three in a row from 08 to 2010. You know, Penn right. State's won eight of the last nine, and, and Iowa just needs to to jump up and, and knock them off the pedestal. And it, it really feels like this whole season has been geared towards next weekend. And anything short, it, it's crazy. This is going to come out of my mouth. Anything short of a national championship will feel a little disappointing. Yeah, agreed. And I, I you just. You know, in talking to the wrestlers, talking to Coach Brands, I, you know, Tom went out of his way yesterday to say that it's not something that they're going to take lightly winning that Big Ten championship, nor should they. I mean, that's a great achievement. Um, but eyes all season have been at looking ahead to Minneapolis and winning the top prize because that's where the bar is for this program and has always been and always will be. So, you know, as great as the weekend was and as dominant as Iowa was, I think Spencer Lee was like 47 to five. He outscored his opponents this weekend. And like four, I think four of those points were him releasing the opponent, um, you know, to, to get another takedown. So, I mean, he is so dominant at 125. You almost, you can almost chalk up a national championship for him. Um, it's going to come down to some of those other guys. And we saw yesterday, you know, it was nice to see, uh, as you said, Marinelli re- respond to Vincenzo Joseph. The loss that he had at Carver Hawkeye Arena came back, won a really exciting match yesterday. But then on the flip side, Mark Hall was able to beat Michael Kemmerer in a tough match at 174. A lot of these matches and a lot of these matchups are so close. And then once you get to the the NCAA tournament, now you're bringing guys in from around the country that can – you know, knock off Iowa guys and, and knock them down into the, the lower bracket. They they need a little bit more out of Austin DeSanto. Max Murin came back pretty well. Caleb Young's got to figure stuff out. There There is still room for improvement for Iowa, and that's probably good um, that you have guys that still have room to for growth going into this NCAA tournament. No doubt. No doubt about it. It, it should be fun to, to watch this this team uh, you know, make its make its way through the NCAA's and and hopefully bring home a, a national championship, bring that trophy back where it belongs in Iowa City under the uh, the shadow of the Dan Gable statue. Rob, one more thing before we get out of here, uh, as this has, seems to have been a tradition uh, each week on this podcast because of the time that we begin recording. But the AP poll uh, for men's basketball is now out, and to my surprise, Iowa did not fall out of the top twenty-five, barely. Uh, Iowa comes in at 25th uh, in the top 25, so they will go into the Big Ten tournament as a ranked team, one of six Big Ten teams that are ranked. Uh, the top team, Michigan State. Michigan State ranked ninth. That's a, a seven-place jump from a week ago, and man, they, they had just re-entered the rankings two weeks ago leading into that Iowa game, so a big couple of weeks for Michigan State. Michigan State does what what they do late in the season. Um, it's just kind of remarkable. Maryland falls from ninth to 12th, so Maryland is second-ranked Big Ten team at 12th. Wisconsin all the way down to 18th, uh, but that that is a six-place jump from where they were a week ago. Ohio State stays put at 19th. Illinois moves up a couple of spots to 21st, and then again, pulling up the rear, the Iowa Hawkeyes at 25th. Anything there that, that surprises you at all? I thought they'd fall out. I did too. I did it with two losses last week and the loss at the loss at home to Purdue. I thought they so that's 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 good. I mean that shows that they still have you know the respect of the voters and I think a lot of that comes down to how tough the Big Ten was this year um, and making it through that league at eleven and nine. 
uh, probably deserves to be in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. So that that'll be fun. Rob, we'll uh, we'll keep up with all your coverage, everything you have going on uh, throughout this week. Obviously, a big big week for the Iowa men's basketball team in Indianapolis, and uh, and we'll we'll do a lot of this. Stay tuned to Hawkeye Nation dot uh, com to find all that. Uh, f- refresh your podcast feed often. You never know when something new is going to pop up in there. But Rob, until you and I meet again a week from now with a lot more information, I hope you have a good one, man. Thanks you. Thanks you too, Andrew. And I will be leaving Wednesday for Indianapolis. So we'll have, uh, we'll have my feet on the ground down there and hopefully it's a nice run. It's been a while since I've been down there and had a, had a long stay. So I made hotel reservations through Saturday night and maybe that'll be good luck. Nice. I love it. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you all for listening. Go Hawks.